All right, glad you're with us. Loaded up today. It is amazing how bad this this cast of characters are uh, that want to be the next president of the United States. I mean, it's like a train wreck. He, I watched it because it's that entertaining. It, it You can't believe they're that bad, but they're really, really, really that bad. And no matter how hard the the media mob tries to bail them out of that disaster that was last night's debate on top of the night before's debate. They can't do it. It's not feasible. It's not possible. Not humanly possible. And that's only one of our stories. How did they get through an entire two nights? What was it? Two, two and a half hours each night of, you know, of, of 20 mostly unknown people. Nobody inspires on that stage at all. Nobody is that interesting. And, but, and uh, that's why I keep saying polls. We'll have our pollsters later. It sounds a little stupid, but I don't think this president polls well. I don't think this president will ever poll well. I don't ever think that Donald Trump can be polled like any normal politician because he's not. He is, a, he is a transformational president and in more ways than we can even list. First, he's a guy that actually keeps his word, keeps his promises and fights for what he promised he would do. I mean, that's rare. Everything from judges to look at the money that he won as he sent, said he would, the emergency uh, order that he sent out, uh, the reallocation of monies that were not spent from the Defense Department now can be allocated billions of dollars towards building the wall. Nobody in the media is going to talk about that big win of the president. Nobody's going to talk about the president promising the biggest tax cuts followed through with that new trade deals. Yeah, we're getting fairer, freer trade deals as he promised. And I expect at some point he'll get it with China. Uh, and then the president, of course, promising energy independence. I, you know, that was one of the biggest issues I had with the president when he was running for office. I was like, no, no, no. We need to be energy independent. He goes, I know. I know. We need to be energy. Well, how important is that to you? That's the lifeblood of the economy. Well, now we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years. And so I'm watching all this. And again, it's going to come down to, are you better off than you were four years ago? No matter what, that is a major question for any president seeking reelection. Doesn't have to be the issue, but it's a significant factor. And then you ask the question, well, is the president going to lose any of the support that he had from those people who enthusiastically went out there in 2016 and lied to the pollsters and said they wouldn't vote for Trump? Well, I don't think he's lost many, if any. All right, maybe he lost a few percent. Maybe maybe some people can't take his style, whatever. It's just too much. Um, I actually think the opposite has happened, and I think people have gotten used to his iconoclastic and disrupt your style, and I think people tend to like it. You know, it's kind of refreshing to hear somebody say what they mean, mean what they say, and not back down from a fight, because that's not the typical politician. I mean, he's about as anti-politician as a politician can be. All politicians like to hide who they really and truly are, and they like to create an image, a veneer, that they're somebody that they're not, and, and the last thing they ever want is to be exposed for who they really are, and yet Donald Trump, just the opposite, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'll say what's on my mind and worry about the consequences later. That's not exactly, you know, the, the model of your establishment politician, nor is keeping promises, which is a sad commentary on politics in general, because a lot of these guys, Republicans and Democrats, are weak and 
they don't mean it and they don't want to fight and they want to stay happy and they want to keep their comfortable job and and they want to get reelected without having to do too much. I mean, by the way, didn't they, these guys just go, they're getting what, six weeks vacation? Who gets six weeks vacation? I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me? Six weeks vacation? I, I have, I think, six or eight weeks of my contract. I think I take three. That's it. And then, the, you know, a couple of Fridays in the summer. And that's that's my vacation. You know, long, long holiday weekends. That's usually spent on tennis courts, watching balls go back and forth. It's more actually less stressful to work. Um, so all these people, all these nights, Mueller, they've taught Mueller, Mueller, Russia, 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 Russia. Fake news, CNN. That's all that they have done. For two and a half years, advancing lie after lie after lie, building up expectations that were never going to be met and disappointing their audiences, one let down after another. It's all showing up in ratings. I know that I I don't spend a lot of time talking about ratings um, on this program, on TV. I just don't. It's just it's naturally uncomfortable for me to do so. I can tell you that by far we're number one in all of cable news, and I can also tell you that fake news CNN, they're having trouble. Now think about this. They can barely get a million people a night. Then No show, in, no hour of the day can get a million people. They have hours of the day where there's like 200,000 people watching the whole network. How is that even possible? And the same with MSDNC, the Conspiracy Television Network. I mean, Roswell, Rachel, Matt, I mean... They, they have so lied on such a spectacular level and they so overpromised, and the hype and the hysteria and the breathless reporting and we got him, we got him, we got him. We, no, we didn't get him. Two nights, four or five hours, whatever it ultimately ended up being, not one question about Mueller, their conspiracy theories. It, did, it never, never came up. How is that even possible? And the idea that this is a team of, you know, moderate Democrats versus the radical Democrats, that's all a crock also. I'm watching this train wreck last night. Kamala Harris got wrecked last night in that debate after everyone said how great she had done the last time and taken on Joe Biden. Uh, but, you know, look at Van Jones. What, what has Kamala Harris done to show that she's so vicious that no one can lay a glove on her? I thought that was a pretty interesting remark on his part. But, you know, she literally got it. I thought she got by Gabbard, whoever that lady is, Tulsi. She's a congresswoman, I guess, you know, mostly known for her views on on Syria. President Assad playing a role similar to Chris Christie. She knows her chances are probably pretty low. And she went after Kamala Harris and she did a masterful job of just it was a it was a great takedown. I'm like, wow, that was pretty good. That was pretty impressive. And, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala, you know, what was that all about with kid and senator? I mean, it's just odd and and weird. And I didn't understand that at all. But it all comes down to some very simple fundamentals in, in all of this. And most of it has to do with the ideas that everyone on that stage, both nights, believe in. And and Joe Biden is a train wreck. He is a horrific candidate. 
And Axelrod, he's not a dummy Axelrod. I actually respect Axelrod's mind. He's pretty thoughtful and not dumb. Um, he's a little dangerous. I think he's got a pretty sinister mind in terms of politics. Reminds me a little bit of James Carville. There's nothing stupid about James Carville. James Carville was a master, masterful um, strategist for Clinton. But Axelrod says about Biden, this, is, this may be the best he can do. If, and I actually think he's right. I think that's the best you're going to get out of Biden. And I don't think it's going to get any better. And then Biden having to take attacks, withering attacks from Booker. Um, I mean, we got Joe Biden on seven specific claims. He's just dead wrong. He's defending Obamacare. The amount of trashing of Ob- Obama last night was also pretty stunning to me. Um, Joe Biden has gone so far left. He's flip flop flailed. He, I mean, the, the ads you could put out on him already about Anita Hill and and on segregation. Now at the Democratic debate, he's talking about eliminating coal, fossil fuels and fracking. That's how desperate he needs the squad's approval in all of this. And and Harris calling Biden senator and then Booker turning to Biden and says, uh, excuse me, you destroyed communities like mine. And Joe Biden flops on TPP as first put forward. And and that was pretty ugly. And then you get down to the, the nitty gritty, which is the ideas. All those people both nights support the insanity of the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, their 10-year plan that's going to eliminate all oil and gas in the, the lifeblood of our economy in 10 years. And they were on a scale not seen since World War II is how they sold it. Move America towards 100% renewable energy. We're going to millions of families, everybody's guaranteed a family-supporting wage. Um, we're ensuring that every worker has the economic security that they deserve, equal justice, equity, everything's equal. Uh, a job with a, a sustaining wage, uh, medical leave, vacation, retirement security. Uh, now education is going to be spread out into college and trade schools and preschool and kindergarten. Everything's included, including government healthy food and guaranteed clean air and high quality health care. And you may not have a choice of ever getting a private insurer in your health care system. And then, of course, uh, safe housing, affordable housing, adequate housing for everybody. Economic security, whether you're willing or unwilling to work. And then ultimately, we'll get rid of cows and we'll get rid of um, airplanes in the process. Okay, well, that's a train wreck. You add up the numbers. John Stossel wrote a column on Town Hall. Just Biden alone wanting to triple the money we're paying for Title I schools from $32 billion, create a universal pre-K, that's $26 billion, free community college, that's another $6 billion, double the number of psychologists, social workers in schools, $14 billion, a $78 billion deal, but much less than what Kamala Harris would spend. You know, she's at $177 billion. And not to be outdone, you got Mayor Pete, his is about $87 billion. And de Blasio just coming right the hell out saying that we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. Well, that's what they're going to do. That's what the plan is. And as I think it was Congresswoman Tlaib, I believe, that said, we're going to take everybody's money and give it back to those people that, that deserve it and earned it. Okay, what about the people that own it, that, that built it? I guess you, don't, you didn't build that. Protesters screaming multiple times uh, because they're not left-wing enough 
Kirsten Gillibrand, white privilege keeps whites from being shot. Everybody supporting illegal immigration and free health care for illegal immigrants. Cory Booker's bizarre comments. Trump won Michigan because Russians suppressed black voters in Michigan. Andrew Yang, who I have no earthly idea who the guy is. Too late to stop global warming. We got to move to higher ground. Well, where are we going to move to? You know, I can't breathe protesting going on there. Booker saying, you know, asshole as many times as he can. I'm like, okay, and people from asshole countries have a right to come here. What, we're going to pay for their health care and their housing and the Green New Deal for everybody? And, and this is what's going to take on Donald Trump? This is not going to happen. And if it does happen, you know what? Forget about higher ground. Find other ground because the United States as we know it is, is going to cease to exist. Freedom goes away. Capitalism goes away. Money goes away because people that have it are going to remove it and get the hell out of here, just like they're doing in New York, New Jersey, and California. They're leaving. And all throughout all of this, they ignore the big news of the day, which is the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, has referred Jim Comey for prosecution. Under the Espionage Act and for lying to the FBI, because the FBI, we now know, we didn't know, went to his house to retrieve the documents that were classified that he stole from the bureau on the way out the door so he can get the special counsel appointed. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. Nobody mentioned that last night. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show. So let me, uh, we'll have John Solomon at the top of the next hour. Now, it, this is an amazing thing. For fake news, CNN. And, oh, we got the figures. Linda, you got to remind me. So Mark Levin's book um, is still in the top five on the New York Times list for 10 straight weeks, correct? Yeah. That would be correct. And I looked at the book scan numbers, and, and Mark has sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. If you had the audio book, everything, well, nearly 500,000 books. Now, Jimmy Acosta's book came out three weeks after Mark's. He's been on the market for seven weeks. And I looked at his book scan numbers. Do you, do you remember, because I sent it to you because I don't tweet myself, do you remember how many books did fake news Jim sell? Remember, they were begging you, the book people and his people, begging to be on this radio show. Is that correct? Indeed it is. Okay, and to the point where it was like bordering on harassment, Correct. Sure. Sure. Okay. Marissa Torme. All right. Now, the question is, if I my memory serves me well, in seven weeks, again, Mark has three week, extra weeks. He's got the, Mark is at nearly at the half a million sold mark. And where is he at? at was it 14,000? So it's 14,137 total books 14,000. And how many did he sell just last week? Because we know. 604. That, 604? Every family member he had. Okay. That is the biggest, most epic fail, just like all fake news CNN. Now, fake news CNN on an average night can't get one show to break a million viewers. And now, here you have this comparison, and there you got Jeff Zucker and his stenographer. They're going to write a book about Fox. Like anyone gives a rip what they think about Fox. Nobody's going to buy that yeah, book that's, either. Yeah, that's called a clickbait. Yeah, but okay. We hate Fox. We're from CNN. Shocker. 
right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. The president uh, heading to the great city of Cincinnati, the home of Skyline Chile. Uh, Once friend of mine who won't talk to me anymore is uh, John Kasich, who has jumped the shark a little bit. I have an interesting story about my 50th birthday party and John Kasich and the man we now have on the line. He, Bill Cunningham, you're a great American. Thank you for calling from Cincinnati inside the arena. I want a full report. <laughs> Sean Hannity, how are you? <laughs> how are you? my? Uh, you know what? I love Bill Cunningham. So I got to tell a little story about you. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. So before I went to Atlanta... Eric Sluggo Seidel, who hired me for that job in Atlanta, they brought in Bill Cunningham the week before I was to start (laughs) just to piss every listener off so bad that anybody that came on after was going to be beloved. And he goes in, I'm Billy Cunningham from Cincinnati. The Reds are the greatest team in the history of baseball. The Atlanta Braves suck. And by the way, this city is god-awful. You can't even get any decent food here at night. And those of you that like the varsity are out of your freaking minds. True or not true, Mr. Cunningham? 100% true. I'm under oath. I only speak the truth to the American people and to the fellow great American, Sean Hannity. Tell the Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Bill Cunningham story with Kasich. Oh, my gosh. This is... All right, so it's my 50th birthday party. John Kasich is in... We were down in southwest Florida. And and uh, you nearly got in a fist fight with the guy. I mean, what else am I supposed to say? And I had to go over and tear you two apart because you were about to kill each other. <laughs> because he pisses me off so much, that's why. Because I knew what was coming in his governorship. I, I knew what he would do. Imagine having a party in the great state of Ohio called the Republican National Convention. You're throwing the party, and you refuse to attend, and you're the governor. Imagine that. And, by the way, what did Trump win Ohio by? What was it, six, seven points? Uh, nine points. All right, so it was funny yeah. because I, I – look, you and I have been through a lot of elections together, and I remember – you know, being there in 2004, we went on a big tour together. That's when Neil Bortz actually cursed inside of a church. I said, oh, no, Neil Bortz, what are you doing? Um, and we had to bail him out of that trouble at the time. And yeah. uh, you and I were there, and we knew that we knew that the great state of Ohio, and as goes Ohio, so goes the presidential election, uh, we knew that George W. Bush was going to win. Now, on election day, when that came around in November of 04, the exit polls showed that John Kerry was going to be the next president on this radio show, 635, I'm sorry, 535 Eastern. I got a call from the vice president at the time, Dick Cheney, and Dick Cheney was saying, Ohio, we need you. He was saying, Florida, Southwest Florida, Panhandle, I-4 corridor, we need you. And then you were telling me it's not true. There's no way no. that Ohio no. was going blue he's and you said to me these exit polls are dead wrong Uh, sean hannity in 2016 uh, it was either don jr or eric i had on the show with me like a 206 and and it and we're off the air for about three minutes and and he says to me you know willie we could have won ohio i said i know Kasich didn't help he said we could have won wisconsin walker wasn't there Rubio Bush didn't help me and didn't help us in Florida. I said, look, people are voting right now. Be positive. It's Election Day. Mm-hmm. I get a text at 535 from you 
saying it's worse than we thought. The exit polling is terrible. Trump loses Ohio, Florida, Michigan. He's got no chance. And so I communicated with Don Jr. He texts back, yeah, the exit polling is terrible. About 9.30, 10 o'clock, we text back and forth. And I text to you, dog catches car. And Trump is winning the <laughs> you presidency. Did. All right, so I, I, all right, all right. Now this is going to turn really, really inside baseball. And then we'll get to the Kasich fight story. Then we're going to talk about tonight. So I, at that point, then candidate Trump had a cell phone. I had his cell phone number, and so I got. I mean, what, as soon as they hit the presses, I got the exit polls. I got them immediately. Now you're not supposed to talk about them when you get them. And but you, if you watch the fake phony media mob in this country, you know, they go on the air and you can tell they've all read the same thing that I read and they were all giddy at six o'clock. So I didn't yep. want the president to I did not want him to think at time then candidate Trump that it was over. And so I wanted to get to him first. I don't remember how we did it. Linda would be able to remind me. But at some point, I know that I was checked out and I was calling Donald Trump and I said, somebody is, they're drawing straws right now because somebody's going to walk in and give you horrible news in a minute. And I said, you got to listen to me. You do not poll like any other politician. I'm telling you, I'm not buying it because it, the, these exit polls show you didn't win a single state and it's just not possible. It is mathematically impossible. And he goes, oh, well, I guess I'll just go back to business. He was very matter of fact, didn't react to it. I don't know who got to him next, but I'm sure the person was scared to death. And he goes, I know the exit polls suck. Um, but anyway, long story short, Don Jr. did call into my show about 545 that afternoon, just like Dick Cheney called 535 in 2004. And the long and short of it is then you see the media go on giddy at six o'clock at night. Then Bill Cunningham, what happened? What happened all of a sudden is people actually voted. Not the ones that were being polled, but residents of Bell Fountain, residents of Batavia, residents of Ishtabula, re re residents of Bell Fountain. And all of a sudden, Ohio, which is losing by five percentage points. By the way, Governor Richard Cordray loses to Mike DeWine by like eight percentage points. But every poll in Ohio had Governor Richard Cordray winning by five. It all was a bunch of crap because they didn't poll the people that actually voted. I'm in Cincinnati now. Last night, about 7, 8 p.m., television news went to sleeping bags and pitch tents outside the U.S. <laughs> Bank Arena. Right now, you can't get within a mile. The Cincinnati police are saying, do not come to downtown Cincinnati because it is packed. And it's not packed because of Florida Georgia line about two miles up the river, Riverbend. It's packed because Donald J. Trump, the rock star, is in Cincinnati at U.S. Bank Arena right now. There's going to be 18,000 people, and the media will not cover it as such because it's injurious. And one last thing, Sean Hannity, the Cincinnati Inquirer, which is a Gannett publication, said that he, they're calling upon this president to be civil, to use the right language. Don't call people names. What the hell happened last night with the 10 Democrats? They called him a predator. They called him a racist. They called him a rapist. They said, put him in jail. The most vile, filthy language is used by Democrats. That doesn't matter. What matters is what Trump says, not what the Democrats say about him. And that drives me friggin' nuts. The media mob, 
Bill Cunningham, we've th- this is what we have known for years. I, I, it wasn't an accident. I didn't just think, oh, maybe I, I'll make up a line about the media. And I said, journalism's dead. I wasn't lying. I just didn't know how right I was at the time. At this point, you bring up the Mark Levin and Jim Acosta situation. It's the Democratic media <laughs> that is yeah. telling us what to think and what to do. Last night, the moderator, Don Lemon, called our president a racist after Joe Biden, after the debate, walks over, embraces, and hugs Al Sharpton. So we're supposed to believe that Al Sharpton is about civil rights and Donald Trump is a race baiter. Are you kidding me? Bill Cunningham, have you ever heard the montage on the Sean Hannity radio or TV shows about Reverend Al? By the way, he once said, yeah, you want to get it on, you know, Pinya Yamak is on backwards. He actually said that, except that's not on tape. Can you You imagine? uh, Look at Obama. By the way, I thought Obama was a terrible president. And those who agree with me are the Democrats on the stage last night. It was unbelievable. I said the exact same thing. The Democrats are after Obama, and when five cops are killed in in, in Dallas and three killed in Baton Rouge, Obama invites in Black Lives Matter, Delray McKesson, and others to to talk about civil rights. It's unbelievable. You know, I do think this is a tipping point for the country, and maybe I think in every election year, but I don't think I've ever felt it as, as, as much as I do. But I want to go back to Kasich for a second, because and I'll let you tell the story, what really happened, because I wasn't there in the beginning of it. I just broke it up before it became a melee. And but John Kasich's running for office. I get in touch with John Kasich. He's out there trashing Trump, the candidate. And I said, Governor, uh, you got a minute. Can we talk? And he writes back. Well, if it's about Trump, no, never. And then I write him back. I said, oh, okay. So I'll ask you, how are you and not mean it? I'll say, how's the weather in Ohio and not mean it? I'll ask, how are your kids? And it means nothing. And I won't talk about the disaster of the Biden-Obama economy and 13 million Americans added to the food stamp rolls and 8 million more in poverty and given mullahs in Iran $150 billion in cash and other currency. I won't talk about any of that. So that's the relationship that you want. That's it. We never talking. We never spoken again. And I, you know, know, Sean, one great thing about that conversation, there was a good chance that Trump was going to pick Kasich to be his vice president. Imagine if John Kasich had played nice, hit his true character and became the vice president. And he was the vice president now instead of Mike Pence. Wouldn't that have been a disaster for the country? You know, I thought I knew John Kasich. I really did. And you had told me years earlier, no, 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 no. I know stuff about him that, well, no, uh, no. no, you told me he's not as he appears. That's what you said to me. You said to me that he's a meaner guy than I know. And I had never seen that side of him. I guarantee if Kasich was picked by a mistake, he'd be undermining the president. A hundred percent. He'd be, and he'd be destroying the Trump agenda and the Trump presidency. The best thing that could have happened is when Trump picked a former radio talk show host out of right. Indianapolis, Pence Mike of Pence. Indiana. That was a break. And, the and perfect, the perfect compliment. Now, listen, I thought uh, when I was thinking about, it, I thought Kasich would absolutely. You can't win the presidency without winning Ohio. That's how important Ohio oh. is. 
And that's how important your voice is. And by the way, Billy Cunningham is the number one rated host in the entire state. He still is the only radio host that gets double digit ratings in these days uh, on on actual ratings uh, because people have so many other platforms they can listen on. Now, tell the story. It's my 50th birthday party. You and Kasich are alone. What happened? Well, John Kasich and I think John, I think, I think John Rich was there, wasn't he? Wasn't he? At yes, your, John Rich was together? there. All right. And so Kasich and I start talking about, you know, John, this is what you promised to do. Income tax cuts. You promised enterprise zones. You promised to do something positive on CBD and marijuana. You promised to do something on casinos. And he'd done none of this stuff. And I said, what are you going to keep your word? So he got in my face and started poking me in my chest. I said, get your hand out of my face and get your finger off my chest. Otherwise, oh I'm going to deck your ass. And at this point, two highway patrolmen get in between us. And then they said, take it outside. So Mark Levin follows us outside. I'm yelling at him, calling him a liar. He's yelling at me, calling me whatever. It was MF this and MF that. You got wind of it. You came out. And I said at that point, never trust that guy. He, mm-hmm. He's a liar. And what he does, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that guy's going to say one thing and do another. You can't trust the damn thing he says. And now he believes in his heart, that's why he's on the Clinton News Network so much, that somehow Trump is going to collapse, that all the people I see here in Cincinnati getting ready for this rally are going to quit supporting the president, and that they're going to turn to John Kasich to become the president nominee of the Republican Party. If that happens, I'm going to go to Madagascar and begin breeding Komodo dragons. If that happens, I'm going to Madagascar. That guy you can't trust, and I knew it then, and I know it now. And that's disgusting. I mean, I'm not listen. I don't. I don't really have a problem with people fighting. I know that um, that's not a very politically correct thing to say, but you know, I mean, I played hockey as a kid. We fought every day, every single day. We dropped the gloves and we threw punches. Every I like. I meet these kids today, and I'm like, "Did you ever have a fight?" Nope. I mean, how do you go through life and not have one fist fight? How is that possible? Let me ask you this. I don't mind. Billy Cunningham. We now know the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, and his team have referred James Super Patriot Comey for possible prosecution under the classified information protection laws. That would be the Espionage Act. That would be the removing of classified documents. That would be theft of government documents. And also uh, 18 U.S.C. 1000, which would be uh, making false or misleading statements. The attorney general has declined prosecution at this time. Now, on the surface, I'd be mad. But my sources tell me, no, they're not going for low-hanging fruit. This is going much deeper than anybody knew. Good. At this point... (laughs) That's your answer, good. (laughs) Good. At this point, James Comey needs to face the bar of justice by the standards that he set. Thinking about his ridiculous news conference about Hillary Clinton, which Democrats then said, you know what, that guy's got to be fired. All Trump did was fire Comey, which is what Hillary would have done. And a month later, Bill Cunningham. And a month. In a month, his own former employees fbi agents were banging at the door getting his classified documents that didn't belong in his house and interrogating him and then he still arrogantly went out there and wrote a book i warned him bill cunningham i said you have the right to remain silent i suggest you exercise that right i warned him who sold more books was it comey or acosta all right i got to roll all right we're gonna watch the president at seven tonight and by the way i get to talk to you mark levin i spoke to earlier and rush limbaugh on tv tonight how great is my life pretty good 
God Bill Cunningham, America. God bless God you. God bless America. You're a great American. You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the same room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. <laughs> the protocol, two men that all of us have perhaps increased appreciation for uh, over the last two years. <laughs> both of those administrations there was process and so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official you would work through the White House counsel and there'd be discussions and approvals and who would be there and I thought it's early enough let's just send a couple guys over all right how is it by the way that's James Comey hour two Sean Hannity show 800-941-SEAN is a number you want to be a part of the program now what he's saying there to me is beyond repugnant and it's everything you don't want in a law enforcement officer and you know i i still get squeamish every time i hear joe DeGeneva say the word dirty cop the comey's a dirty cop um and i think it's because i just have this natural instinctive love of law enforcement that was born out of the family that I I come from and my mom the prison guard and my dad the family court probation guy and you know the cousins one after another that were police officers and the two that were deity that made the FBI and I'm thinking so Andrew McCabe tells Lieutenant General Flynn uh, he doesn't need a lawyer when he's told oh we're sending a couple of guys in to see you and he, so he's thinking, all right, well, I don't need I don't need to worry about this conversation. It's not about anything that I did. And then Comey bragging that he sent guys into the White House to do something he would never do on it to the Obama or Bush administrations. And that was interrogate Lieutenant General Flynn and basically sandbag him after they said, no, forget about Miranda rights. Oh, forget about the normal process one would go through. Uh, forget about letting him defend himself. This guy served his country 33 years. And on top of that, we discovered that they illegally surveilled, unmasked General Flynn, and they had the raw intelligence. That means the conversations uh, that the questions were going to be based on, they had the verbate on it, which means it's a perjury trap from the get-go if, God forbid, General Flynn doesn't remember perfectly everything that happened in a conversation with the individual that they're talking about. Um, and it's worse than that. And then, of course, we have the whole FISA issue and the numerous warnings that James Comey got that, number one, Hillary paid for the dirty Russian dossier, that Steele hated Donald Trump, that Steele had a deadline that was Election Day. He signed the first FISA application. We now know it was an unverifiable document, but he verified it was he said it was verified and corroborated and he put his signature to it. And then he goes just a few months later to the to Trump Tower and tells the president-elect, oh, it's unverified, but salacious. The whole narrative now is flipped on its head. Well, now we go to, well, investigating the investigators. And once again, it's John Solomon breaking the story that, in fact, the Justice Department, their chief watchdog, the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, that his report on FISA abuse is going to be beyond damning. And that already Michael Horowitz's team, 
at least on one issue, has referred Comey for possible prosecution uh, as it relates to the Espionage Act and also for being less than than candid, lack of candor, which means lying when questioned about it. We learned that after Comey was fired, that FBI agents actually went to his house, interrogated him, and also retrieved the documents, classified documents that he had taken out of his house, which is illegal. Again, violation 18 U.S.C. 793 and numerous other violations. Uh, The only other sidebar to this story is that, at least for now, the attorney general has declined to prosecute James Comey because there are apparently bigger fish to fry, starting with FISA abuse. Here to weigh in on all of this and probably say it a lot better than I just did is... uh, our good friend John Solomon is the executive vice president of The Hill, investigative reporter. John, how are you? I'm good. I think you hit it right on the head, Sean. That was perfect. <laughs> All right. Let's go through what you know and, and you know, where we are. And if he was recommended for prosecution, that means that Michael Horowitz concluded what we had concluded a long time ago, which is... That's right. This was classified information, the notes he took on 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 the president and for him to have him outside of his office is a violation of the law also. And if there was a lack of candor, that's another way of saying lying. Yeah. He, listen, he had an opportunity when the FBI agent showed up at his house on, uh, uh, June 7th, 2017, to collect these memos that he had improperly taken out of the FBI. He had an opportunity to say, oh, fellas, I didn't just take them home. I emailed them to other people. And he stayed silent, did not tell the FBI agents that, according to my sources. And also, according to the FBI interview of him that, that uh, Judicial Watch was able to win yesterday in its FOIA lawsuit. So uh, let's go back and remind people who James Comey said he was and what we've learned about him. He's the guy who said, my bureau followed the rules. Well, guess what? We found out in the Hillary email case, he violated the rules. He's the guy who said, my bureau doesn't leak. Well, we now know he leaked and Andrew McCabe leaked. And, uh, and now uh, he, we, he said that, well, we did everything by the book on Russia and, it, and, and the fight is good. I think we're going to find out the same reversal of fortune for James Comey when the IG report comes out in the fall on, on the larger issue of FISA abuses. But the next report to come out is going to focus specifically on Comey and his conduct in those memos. It's going to be a stinging rebuke of the top leader of the FBI not following the very rules he was charged with imposing for the rest of the Bureau. Well, you think about somebody like Christian Saucier or the numerous names that Greg Jarrett has in his book, people that have been prosecuted for far less as it relates to the Espionage Act. And it gets a little bit chilling and a little bit scary to me that we have a dual justice system. Now, I kind of started prodding your, your article broke just before Hannity last night. So I didn't have the time to check in with some sources of mine. And I think some that you know that I have and and some that maybe are separate from those that you have. And what I was told is this is not over. What I was told is this is the low-hanging fruit. This was the easy part. What I'm told is that there are far bigger issues in play. Pfizer obviously being one of them and and his knowing that the dossier was dirty and unverified, but a premeditated fraud before a Pfizer court uh, is a far bigger issue uh, and other issues apparently that might go beyond the borders of this country are being investigated. And I don't know. You probably know more about that than I do. Yeah, listen, we talked about this on the show last night, and I 100% agree with what you 
your sources are telling you, my sources are saying the same thing. There are quotes in my column that really go to that issue, which is, hey, this was a small issue. Could we have prosecuted? Maybe. Could we have won in New York or, dis- or the District of Columbia? Probably not. So why bring a case against a guy that if he gets acquitted, he can take a victory lap for very uh, bad behavior? Why not let the report speak for itself and focus on the larger issues? And here are the larger issues as I understand them. There could be false testimony by several of the players in the FISA abuse. Remember, a lot of them have testified to Congress, either publicly or privately. That's a much bigger case and an easier case to make to the American public when you come to a jury. And then there's the broader question of whether this entire investigation, particularly the FISA, constituted some form of a fraud, a conspiracy to defraud the country, uh, the United States through the election, or, or to a conspiracy to defraud the FISA court. Now, nothing's been proven. We should wait and see what evidence comes out. But I think what your sources are telling you, or what my sources are telling me, there's a much bigger issue here. Comey's not off the hook yet. He got off the hook on this smaller issue, but keep your eyes focused on the bigger issue. And I think Attorney General Barr, John Durham, Michael Horowitz will be judged on the totality of their investigations when they all come out. And patience has always been the better side of prudence in these sort of investigations. Well, and now we're getting into the real weeds here. What we know is what? We know that Durham has spoken to Steele for maybe, what, 16 hours. Well, I we think know... that was the IG, actually. That was her IG investigation. Oh, I'm sorry. I, well, I thought it was, yep, yep, no, yep. I thought he met with uh, Durham, the prosecutor. No? Am no, I wrong no, on that? Uh, my understanding uh, from my sources is that we're inspector generals. So, of course, the great thing is John Durham has access to all that. So it really doesn't matter who did the interview. Both the IG and Durham are going to have access to that important interview. Yeah, well, they will, but also other people now have figured yeah. out that the FISA, premeditated FISA fraud is a big issue. That's right. Um, I'm, I've got to believe, John, at some point we're going to hear from somebody within the, the FISA court system. Now, they're appointed by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, but That's right. heretofore, while you and I might know the names of the judges, most people do not know those names. He makes those appointments, but i got to imagine those judges are apt apoplectic about what has happened here because there was a fraud purposely committed against them and I would think anyone that signed off on those warrants and those applications is being verified and we now know they're unverifiable because the author of the dossier says he has no idea if any of it's true and the the FBI's final fact checking showed that basically none of it was true also. Yeah, you've got it right and I think you know when the court often on these issues don't look about the overall conduct of the FBI. They look at what came into the court. What did they represent to us? And let's take a look at what we know they represented. They represented emphatically that they had verified the fact that Carter Page had met with Igor Dushevsky and uh, Igor Session, two close associates of Vladimir Putin during his July 2016 trip. We now know from the Mueller report, we now know from that spreadsheet that we've reported on, those meetings did not occur and they were never verified. Therefore, when the FBI told the court, we verified that, and this is a reason why you should allow us to invade uh, Carter Page's privacy and intrude on the Trump campaign, they falsely represented that information was verified. A second thing that they said emphatically, irrefutably, specifically to the court, we have no derogatory information on Christopher Steele. There is overwhelming evidence the United States government had significant derogatory information about Steele and his conduct 
conduct in this case, everything from leaking to the quality of his intelligence uh, to his political motives and his hatred for Donald Trump. And that, that is a false statement if you represent to the court. We don't have derogatory information when all that information is sitting in your files and in your knowledge and in the U.S. The government's uh, knowledge. So that's the sort of thing the court looks for. What did you say before us, and can we hold you well, accountable? I want you to stay right there, because we got other breaking news. Part of it is Andrew McCabe was in contact with British intelligence at the beginning of the Russiagate hoax. Again, this brings us overseas again. Uh, then one has to wonder what the role of Brennan is in all of this, and Clapper may have been in all of this. And what's interesting is your your piece has gotten picked up about Christopher Ray. I want to ask you about that on the other side. Uh, we'll continue. This is big news. Um, I was more dubious last night than I am today about why not prosecute immediately. But I think I, I, I see something bigger, a lot more depth to this than than the surfacey stuff we're reading. And uh, maybe John will shed some light on that when we get back. All right, as we continue, uh, John Solomon, executive vice president and investigative reporter for The Hill, uh, breaking this big story. So the inspector general recommending prosecution for Comey. The real answer to this, though, is the attorney general has is digging into much bigger issues that Comey may be involved in. Now we learned, and, and I thought this was pretty interesting from the Daily Wire, that Andrew McCabe was in contact with British intelligence at the beginning of the Russiagate hoax, and Meadows has bypassed Christopher Steele in a bid to expose the dossier, which, by the way, the president has handed off to the attorney general to release at any point that he deems proper. It, it, listen, there are so many things that are going to happen over the next few weeks that are going to be dramatic, uh, Sean. I think there are so many moving parts. People are being interviewed at rapid speed. Documents are being obtained at rapid speed. The investigation is accelerating, and I think uh, the the answers that have been uh, evasive for the last two and a half years are finally going to be nailed down. And I think people like Devin Nunez, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, who laid out the fears of what they thought went behind the scenes of this investigation are going to be vindicated. All the people who've laid out evidence on your show of what went wrong here are going to be vindicated. And I think the most important part is the FBI will have an opportunity to be held to account for the sort of conduct that we never want to see our bureau do. We don't want to see our bureau be involved in politics and settling political scores, doing political opposition research, or uh, picking one candidate over the other using its investigative powers. And that's what went on here. At its core, that's what was wrong. And I hope in the very, very future, uh, near future, people are going to begin to see the breadth of evidence that underlies those concerns. I think James Comey should have taken my advice. I gave it to him long before <laughs> his book ever came out. Jim, you, you have it. the right to remain silent. I advise you take that right seriously. But well, he's certainly silent today. His well, I want to tell you something. I, I want to say something. I don't take any glee that yeah. anybody in in the world's premier law enforcement organization is up to no good like this. But what he did yeah. is horrible. It is horrid. We've known it for some time. Now and he will pay the price uh, for doing so by all accounts that. Um, all the things that I'm hearing. Great reporting yeah. as usual. John Solomon way ahead of the curve. Stay with us. We'll have more on the deep state throughout the program. We're going to stop and take a look at the polls. Uh, our pollsters, uh, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery coming up next. And uh, also our News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Got a lot of stuff we haven't hit yet. Rush Limbaugh on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Go <laughs> 
The first thing that I'm going to do when I'm president is I'm going to Clorox the Oval Office. And if they don't have any money, they'll get in free. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. I don't know what math you do in New York. I don't know what math you do where you in California, but I tell you, that's a lot of money. This is one of those instances where the house was set on fire and you claimed responsibility for those laws. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you want to compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. It looks like one of us has learned the lessons of the past and one of us hasn't. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine? Um, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you, need to, you need to come to the city of North. Had I been in the United States Senate at that time, I would have been completely on the other side of the aisle. And let's be clear about this. Had those segregationists there way, I would not be a member of the United States Senate, Cory Booker would not be a member of the United States Senate, and Barack Obama would not have been in the position to nominate him to the title he now holds. This is the fourth debate that we have had, and the t second time that we have been debating what people did 50 years ago with busing, when our schools are as segregated today as they were 50 years ago. Mr. Vice President, you can't have it both ways. You invoke uh, President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient, right. and then dodge it when it's not. Your response, sir? Yes. That's it? No, he said, would I insist that labor be engaged? The answer is yes. I consider that a victory. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love your affection for me. You spent a lot of time with me. You know what? <laughs> we, we believe in redemption, Joe. We believe in redemption in this party. Well, I tell you what, I hope you're part. We need to do the opposite of much of what we're doing right now, and the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes masks. We need a nation that understands that these tired, old language, the... Stand by, Senator. I will stand by. Please stand by. I didn't talk about any of this when he was the secretary. Please be respectful. Please be respectful in the crowd. Please continue, Mr. Vice President. We will ensure that everyone has access to health care. Your plan, by contrast, leaves out almost 10 million Americans. So Mr. Vice President, you want to be president of the United States. You need to be able to answer the tough questions. I guarantee you, if you're debating Donald Trump, he's not going to let you off the hook. So did you say those deportations were a good idea? Or did you go to the president and say, this is a mistake, we shouldn't do it? Which one? I was vice president. I am not the president. I keep my recommendation in private. Unlike you, I expect you would go ahead and say whatever was said privately with him. That's not what I do. What I do say to you is he moved to fundamentally change the system. All right. That was from last night's debate. 24 now till the uh, top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Um, I have said, and I stand by this, that I don't believe this president, that Donald Trump, President Trump, will ever poll 
like any politician, any other politician. And we kind of saw that on election night 2016. I mean, the exit polls had him losing every single state, pretty much. I don't remember one state that that the exit polls showed that he was going to win, not one. Um, So I'm not really sure. I mean, I think we're just sort of getting little snapshots. I think there is the emphasis now is certainly on the enthusiasm level. The president's going to be speaking seven o'clock tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I think the president is going to have his typical huge, massive crowds, people waiting outside even at this hour uh, as they've been all day dying to get in to see him and watch him speak and stand the whole time and cheer like it's a rock concert. I mean, I don't know anyone that can do that and doesn't play a piano like Billy Joel or Elton John and or a guitar like or somebody that you think is a good guitar player or a great singer. Um, I don't know anybody that can do it. And that phenomenon, that enthusiasm that we say matters. Uh, Obama had it, but I don't see any current Democrat having it. And I thought it was a disastrous night, especially for Joe Biden, but frankly, for everybody on that stage. And in spite of what the media is telling you, that there's some battle between moderates and the radicals of the Democratic Party. No, it's basically a battle between radical and more radical, as all of these ideas that we have been pointing out literally are not resonating with the American people. John McLaughlin is with us. He's a pollster. And also a former pollster who's still a pollster who still can't retire. Uh, Matt Towery is with us. Uh, Let's get both of your takes on the debates the last two nights. I don't see I think the big winner from my perspective is Trump because they all looked horrible. Uh, First of all, I do think Trump won the debate. Uh, Look at this, Sean. You've got the media today trying to spin that somehow Biden was the winner of that debate last night. He had seven major gaffes. And at the end, he was in the wrong century, century when he tried to get his website to go to. I mean, that, if, that, if that were Donald Trump, they would massacre him for doing that. And then you look at the other candidates on the stage, both nights. They want to make a big point here. You have both with Elizabeth Warren and with Bernie Sanders. And then last night with uh, Camilla Harris and the other, a lot of the other candidates. They don't smile. They're humorless. Now, likability is still something that matters in politics. And people may think the president's not likable, but in fact, he's human and he can be funny. No one had any humor. I will give Cory Booker some credit. He can at least smile. And he can at least try to be have a little humor. But those people were, generally speaking, unlikable, drifting way off to the left, being pulled by uh, the left wing of the party. And this might, I might add one other thing. A debate that lasts two hours and 45 minutes on a network is too long for anyone. So that's another loser, and that is the group that sponsored this debate. Well, and i got to be honest. We go back to 2015, John McLaughlin. I mean, I guess CNN's crowing about their ratings, but considering they don't have ratings on on any average night, I guess anything is good for them. But uh, it was more than two and a half times higher in about this time in 2015 when Republicans were running. Um, so there was right. far more interest then. And again, I don't see, look, enthusiasm matters. Crowd size matters. Here's two questions. Is there, are there any Trump supporters that voted for him in 2016 that are leaving him? Question two, no. can he gain voters among those people, demographic groups that have prospered under his policies? And I think the answer is no, he hasn't lost anybody. And yes, he can gain new voters. Yes, you're exactly right. And by the way, in 2016, 
on election night, I was in your radio studio with Linda, and we were saying we were the only ones saying the exit polls were wrong and that Trump was going to win. And uh, uh, by the way, on our website, on mclaughlinonline.com, we just put up a national survey that we'd completed right before this debate. And uh, Biden was already falling. He Last month, he had 34 percent. He's at 28. And uh, you know, he still got Sanders at 15, Kamala Harris at 10, Warren at 9. And the liberals, among liberals who will dominate this primary, Biden's only at 23, and Sanders is at 21, Harris 11, and Warren at 12. I tell you, the, you know, the, the only big win for the Democrats was that the ratings were down. And uh, so fortunately for them, a lot of people didn't see this as they're going off the edge of the earth again and taking positions that the majority of Americans would disagree with. And uh, uh, when you when you think of their slide as they continue to slide while the president succeeds, they're talking about health care. By the way, did you ever see a debate where they don't bring up the economy? Not one question last night on the economy. And because they know they'd all have to say is, yep, Donald Trump's tax cuts work. The economy's grown. He's created almost six million jobs. And and uh, when you think about uh, when you think about where those Democrats are headed on open borders and, and all these other positions, I mean, the, the president will do well. We had in this on our website, we had a question about if they disagree or disagree that politicians have been talking for years about turning the economy around, limiting illegal immigration, standing up against unfair foreign trade practices. But it took Donald Trump to make it happen. And sometimes it's a bull in a china shop that has to do that. And the American people, they agree with it, that they want someone like Donald Trump 52 to 40. That's a majority. So Trump has to get – he's got a solid Republican conservative base. They will pack the house in Cincinnati or wherever the rally is it's tonight. Cincinnati tonight, yeah. Cincinnati, right? And it, yeah, I'm on the campaign. I should know. <laughs> but it is in Cincinnati. And they will pack the House, but we still have to go up with independents and moderates. And the independents and moderates that are watching these debates are going, oh, my gosh, I can't vote for these people. They'll take away my health care. They'll cost me my job. They'll make me pay more taxes. I mean, they're really setting up a great comparison for 2020 for us. I don't think it could be any bigger in terms of this being a tipping point or a choice election, which... As a conservative, especially coming off the economic success of the president, the trade deal success, the energy independence success, the president winning now in the courts on the border wall, uh, literally uh, reconfiguring and, and, and reallocating money from the Defense Department. He won that case in court, which means that the money for the wall is greater than anybody thought. That means that's going to be finished as well by 2020. Um, if I was the president, one little piece of the puzzle I would add, Matt Tower, is I would tell him, treat Baltimore just like he treated the Woolman Rink in New York City. And I would partner well, with people and I'd fix Baltimore and then say to the rest of these liberal cities, look, I showed you how to do it. Now you do it. Well, let's take a springboard off of that and talk about this racism issue that we hear over and over and over again. I, have you ever heard a debate in your life, in which a, a real debate, in which a moderator begins with, with a preconceived notion that the president's statements are, without a doubt, racist? Now, that's not the way a debate takes place. You can say allegedly racist or whatever, but in this case, it was just thrown out there like, like uh, red meat. So that wasn't a debate. That was a, that was a partisan meeting last night uh, with questions that were, were directed to try to move opinion within a certain group. But with regard to Baltimore, again, I think at some point the president has to be able to say very clearly, why is it racist to say that you're concerned about a, a, a city that has a tremendous blight where the people are living in poverty, where nothing's being done? We've seen the rat infestation, the other problems they have. Where is 
what did he say specifically? That's racist. Because over and over, we're hearing this racism being thrown out left and right. And, of course, if you call everybody in the world a racist, then there's nobody left not to be a racist. But I don't see where President Trump one time has uttered a, quote, racist word. But they, they impute racism to real situations, much of which they respond, they're responsible for. How do they get through these two nights and not ask a single question about Mueller, Russia, 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 uh, when that network in particular... That's all they've covered for two and a half years. Lies, conspiracies, and a hoax. John McLaughlin. Well, the fact of the matter is the minute uh, Mueller looked terrible, I couldn't believe they brought him up for the hearings. I mean, by the way, there is a commonality between Mueller and Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden got hurt again last night because he just doesn't look with it. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And people that I know that saw Mueller's testimony were saying, you know, there's something wrong. He's too old. They should have never brought him to testify. And he couldn't even remember things out of his own report that he had written. And you're getting Joe Biden. He's being asked about his record from the 20th century that he can't even remember. So, um, and Donald Trump, the one thing he knows, I mean, he, he reacts, he makes decisions, he makes things happen, he's disruptive. I mean, he he just, he, he's getting things done. And, you know, healthcare, while they were all talking about healthcare and socialized medicine, Trump was enacting a, a, a plan yesterday to allow uh, cheaper drugs to be imported from Canada. So he's actually helping people and, and lowering the prices and establishing a record. And uh, uh, so you've got a president who's doing things who's going to have a great record to compare to these terrible ideas that the Democrats are all running out there on where, I mean, when they all raised their hands in the previous debates that they were going to give free health care to illegal immigrants, most of the people here who are struggling to pay co-pays, deductibles, their own health care, uh, but can keep control of their own health care and don't give it to the government, they're appalled by that. As they should be. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back more with our pollsters. Uh, then we'll get to your calls. Final half hour of the program. Rush Limbaugh tonight on Hannity, 9 Eastern on Fox. All right, final thoughts uh, as we continue with our pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. All right, so who gets the nomination? 20 seconds each. Matt, we'll start with you for the Democrats. Well, I said it was going to be Harris, uh, but she really blew it last night. She came across as as mean and tough, and so her chances go down. Uh, Cory Booker's went up. I still think an African-American candidate has the inside shot if they get endorsed by someone like an Oprah Winfrey like Obama did. But I still think it's a 1972 race. It's McGovern all over again, and Trump wins. All right. Last word, John McLaughlin. Donald Trump's winning, but but the potential nominee, watch for Elizabeth Warren to make a move that she wins Iowa, wins New Hampshire, and then Harris is probably the only one who could stop her if she could beat her in South Carolina. All right, guys, we'll be checking in throughout this election cycle. It's amazing. It starts early, but uh, I would say that this is not a good start for the Democrats by any measure. When we come back, the other news of the day that we haven't hit, including our top story, yeah, the IG recommending prosecution for James Comey, two specific issues. We'll have full coverage again on Hannity tonight at 9, and Rush Limbaugh joins us in a rare TV appearance. Look forward to that. And your calls are next, 800 941 Sean. straight ahead. This is the United States of America. We've acted together. We have never, never, never been unable to overcome whatever the problem was. If you agree with me, Go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much.
My plan makes a limit of copay to be $1,000 because we, we further support the, uh, the, the, the ability to buy into the Obamacare plan. Secondly, the idea that this is somehow a bad idea, no one has to keep their private insurance. But they, if they would like their insurance, they should be able to keep it. Nothing is demanded in my plan that there be private insurance. It says if the 160 million people who have it say they like their employer insurance, they should have a right to have it. This is not a Republican talking point. The Republicans are trying to kill Obamacare. Obamacare took care of 20 million people right off the bat, 100 million people with pre-existing conditions. And in fact, what we got is a public option that in fact would allow anybody to buy in. No one has to keep their private insurance. They can buy into this plan and they can buy into it at, with a thousand dollar deductible and let, never have to pay more than 8.5% of their income when they do it. And if they don't have any money, they get in free. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey, what we're talking about here. The fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that there will be a deductible. There will be a deductible in their paycheck. Bernie acknowledges it. Bernie acknowledges it. Three, $30 trillion has to ultimately be paid. And I don't know what math you do in New York. I don't know what math you do in California. But I tell you, that's a lot of money. And there will be a deductible. The deductible will be out of your paycheck because that's what will be required. Kamala Harris said she's not trying to restructure society. Well, I am. For 40 years, working people have taken it on the chin in this country. For 40 years, the rich have gotten richer and they paid less and less in taxes. It cannot go on this way. When I'm president, we will even up the score and we will tax the hell out of the wealthy to make this a fairer country and to make sure it's a country that puts working people first. Thank you, Mayor de Blasio. Senator Michael Bennett. All right, that was from the debacle that was supposed to be a debate last night among the radical extreme socialists that now rule the Democratic Party. I mean, I honestly think that Axelrod may be right in the, in the sense that he said the bad news for Biden is this is probably the best that he's ever going to do. And and Biden getting attacked from all sides, withering attacks from from Booker. Um, and, you know, Biden claiming Obamacare is working after years of failure. That's that's not going to work really well. Um, then the back and forth between Kidd and and Kamala Harris saying, Senator, I mean, what was that all about? Booker going after Biden on criminal justice reform, saying that you destroyed communities like mine. Wow, that's a great campaign ad. Should Biden ever be the nominee? Um, and then the, the hot mic stuff going back and forth. Now, it's even worse than that, though, because I, Mark Penn wrote the best piece, as I mentioned earlier. Democrats debate was a pander fest. But if you go through the money, which we have done and nothing is for free, you know, Biden wants to triple the amount of money that we spend on Title One schools. That's thirty two billion dollars. And universal pre-K, $26 billion. And free community college, that's $6 billion more. And double the number of psychologists and social workers in schools. Well, that's $78 billion total more. And we get nothing out of the schools we have. And until we break this unholy alliance between teachers unions and the Democratic Party, we're not going to, we're never going to fix it. Then you got Comrade de Blasio. We're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. And Kirsten Gillibrand, white privilege keeps whites from being shot. 
and Booker, Trump won Michigan because Russians suppressed black voters. And, you know, Donald Trump is enjoying this debate the most right now, which I think is probably true. Uh, then, of course, we had the protesters of the I can't breathe chanting that went on there. Um, and Cory Booker saying S-hole as much as he can. that <laughs> People from S-hole countries have a right to come here. Um, and then we got Mayor Pete saying that socialism will be called will be called socialist. Uh, it's obviously it's obvious why. And it became a, a literally a brawl at this whole thing. Uh, anyway, nobody really stood out, I guess, in the two nights. Marianne Williamson is the winner. But probably the real winner was Donald Trump. Uh, anyway, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin are back with us. Danielle, your thoughts or observations on your party the last two nights? Hey, Sean. Hey, Jonathan. You know, actually, I agree with you, Sean. Uh, I think last night the loser was the Democratic Party. I was horrified to see the amount of infighting. Part of that, I think, was the way that CNN asked the questions. But um, I think these guys have forgotten that they're going to go into a general election and all of the attacks that they used against one another are uh, being uh, going to be weaponized against them by the Republican Party. Uh, I think the first night, I, I, it was interesting, I thought, to see Bernie Sanders and, and Elizabeth Warren really put to the test with their progressive ideas. I thought John Delaney did a really good job of pressing them. And it's good to see that kind of back and forth about ideas in the party. And I think that's really what we all want, right? But this, uh, you know, by trying to get oppo research and trying to attack one another on the debate stage, a lot of which we saw last night, uh, it was it was it was horrifying. What do you think, Jonathan Gillum? I mean, I think both nights proved that nobody in the Democrat Party that is an establishment member in the Democrat Party has uh, the ability or the experience or the competency to run the nation. I think they proved that. That's that's where the American people won. Was that they saw if they listen, even Danielle is saying that she was let down by this, they will see that these are incompetent people that do not have the ability to run for president or run the country. And I think there's a couple of things in there that a lot of people overlooked. One, Cory Booker insulting anybody about uh, their cities or about how Joe Biden did this or that in the country. Cory Booker, when he was the mayor of Newark, did nothing to clean up Newark. Newark just as bad as it was before terrible crime rate. You would not want to go there at night and get stuck there. There's a good chance you could get uh, shot or something could happen to you. It's a bad place. So this and, is my uh, take about last night. I'll get, I want to know if you agree with it. Even the New York Times debate analysis points out no Democrat currently running can beat Trump. And I guess there's a big push on, to, oh, we need Michelle Obama to run more than anything. She's got to run. She must run. But New York Times columnist Frank Bernay weighing in on the second debate saying, he expected so much more from Biden and others. Then you got Biden. Biden is not sharp anymore. Axelrod's observation, I think, is he's he's telling the truth here is maybe the best you're going to get out of him because he stumbled repeatedly as rivals were literally just pounding on him the entire night and then botching his closing statement in a make or break debate with, uh, yeah, I go to my website, Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. I'm like, OK, what? Whatever. Uh, sleepy, creepy, crazy kind of, you know, needs a little more rest during the day. And Democrats then use the debate to trash Obama's legacy, which was also my favorite. Your take on that, Danielle. 
Well, I mean, clearly that was extremely disappointing to me. Obama was and remains an extremely popular president across the general population, but obviously more so uh, when you, you know, we identify Democrats. So the fact that they were attacking Biden and by proxy attacking Obama, I just thought was incredibly bad political tactics because at the end of the day, they obviously want to be in power. They want to win Senate seats. They obviously want to take back the presidency. I'm not convinced you do that by attacking one of the most popular presidents, certainly from your own party, in living history. Um, I will say that I do believe that there is somebody up there who can run the country. I think you can learn to be president. Uh, one example, I think... In, oh, we can, slow down. Jo- Jonathan, <laughs> did you just hear what I heard? You, you can, can look, learn to be president. Of course you can learn. You can, of course, I mean, Donald okay, Trump, I mean, listen, Venice, Donald nobody, Trump came in with no political experience at nobody all. Nobody yes, is he, prepared for that job No, completely. I know, but you can... No, nobody, I'm not saying that you... You're. And that's exactly the point. I think you can learn. You have to learn if you are... If you have an open mind, if you're a smart person, of course, you, somebody to any to any extent, everybody has had to learn on the job. Um, I, you need leadership qualities. You need to be intellectually curious. You need to be strong. There are many qualities that you need to have. One thing I will say, and I'm sure I'm going to get pushed back here, is oh boy, you know, <laughs> yeah, I. And I haven't picked a favorite here, and I'm not here to advocate for anybody. You know, I do think that with all of these plans and with that Elizabeth Warren, she she could lead this country. She has a plan for literally everything. I, sometimes I wonder what to wear in the morning. I think, well, Elizabeth Warren would, would know. Um, we can talk about how all she right, does in the rest of the Did country. You just say, sometimes I don't know what I should <laughs> wear in the morning. I wonder what Elizabeth Warren <laughs> would tell me to wear, oh, and this I'll is wear my, that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your criteria this is my, for electing no, this the president? Was, this was my lame attempt at humor, so I guess I should, like, uh, stop yeah, the stand-up. Yeah, it, 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 it went <laughs> right over my head, Jonathan. Perhaps you caught the humor in that. I did not. The only thing I would want to ask Elizabeth Warren on how to do is if I was a bad person wanting to get into a college make four hundred thousand dollars how can i lie to make that money on a on a minority uh into a college or a university that's what she did she did that very well when it comes to politics danielle none of the people in the past two days had plans that would allow them to carry out the nonsense that they put out their, their plans are too expensive their plans are dreamy their plans count on changing the constitution you know de blasio tweeted out all of my comrades i wish you best of luck i mean that in of itself shows you what's going on and i think one of the reasons why joe biden has such a hard time is because i don't know if he believes in this socialist communist mindset but yet he you know he's an establishment guy who just wants to be elected to be in office He's proven that through 30 years of work. And I think he has a hard time with saying what they're saying. And that's probably one of the confusing things that gave him such a hard time was that he he's trying to play their game and he can't play it because he because it's too far left for him. So here's, here's, here's what I think problem. is a little bit unfair in the way that Democrats are treated. So Donald Trump was elected. He said, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. And I have not heard anybody on the right say, well, but really, how are you going to do it? Nobody ever questioned his plan and how it was going to be paid for. And obviously, Mexico has not paid for it. So to Elizabeth Warren's credit, whether you like it or not, she has talked about certain wealth taxes. She has said, you know, uh, this... Uh, 
obviously the 70%, I think it's 70% over 10 million, you take the first two cents of that earning. So she, at least she's trying to talk in reality about some of the things that she wants to do and I think more importantly, how she's going to do it. I think it's unfair because Trump wasn't held to that standard. Listen, I hope I hope you're right in the fact that they choose Elizabeth Warren because Donald Trump will crush her. But, uh, you know, other than that, as far as leading the country goes, you're trying to make it sound like it's possible that she could lead the country. We don't need somebody, Democrat or, or Republican, to run for office that could run the company. We need people who can run the company, who will show up day one and say, we've got problems, let's fix these problems. The biggest issue Donald Trump has had is not that he's not capable of doing that, it's that from the day, even before day one, he has had the leftist media and all this propaganda and lies from the deep state coming down on him like has never happened before in history. And yet he has still done the job. Why? Because he was qualified for it. And that is not something you can say about any of the people we saw on stage for the past two days. They're not qualified. All right, stay right there. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Uh, Rush Limbaugh tonight, Hannity, Fox News. Uh, You don't want to miss that. We also have the latest on Comey. And, yeah, recommended indictments on two counts. We'll update you completely on where that investigation, the investigators, is going. All right, as we continue with Danielle McLaughlin and Jonathan Gillum, um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I think for a while I thought that it was going to be Joe Biden. I I I think Axelrod, you got to give Axelrod his due. Axelrod is not a stupid guy. And if this is the best Joe has, that means he's not going to be the nominee. So let's for, assume for a minute he's not. Then who gets it? Danielle McLaughlin. Elizabeth Warren, the, your personal clothes shopper. <laughs> personal stylist. You know, I, I think it's going to be it'll be Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. I mean, we there's a there's a group running behind Biden, certainly in terms of the polling. And it's Biden. Excuse me. It's 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 Sanders. It's Harris. Uh, I think Buttigieg could be uh, a late run. Uh, um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan, honestly. I like the way he talks about freedom. This might shock you. Uh, and I think that if he can get... Good old a- Mayor Pete. I can see him negotiating with uh, Putin. That's going to be a tough <laughs> negotiation. He's a he's- super smart guy. He was a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about who's qualified to be president. He's a smart guy. He served. That's Jimmy important Carter to people. Jimmy was a smart guy and a horrible president. Well, you know... All I'm saying is, watch. Keep your eye on Pete Buttigieg. I like the way he talks about freedom. Last word, Jonathan. I, I think whoever knows how to play the primaries are going to be the one, the the person that comes out ahead. Probably, uh, I think Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. Even though he's doing, you know, he's not doing real well in these debates, people forget real quick, and he's a personable person when he goes up to Iowa or these different places. And and then I think I still think Elizabeth Warren has a shot at it, but. I think whoever does well uh, in the face-to-face stuff uh, coming up over the next two years is going to be the one who gets it. All right, we'll watch very closely. Uh, As a matter of fact, we'll take calls on that and what people thought of all of it uh, when we get back. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, Danielle. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Don't forget Rush Limbaugh tonight on Hannity. We'll get his take on all of this and the squad. And, of course, Our big story is the inspector general has recommended the prosecution of Jim Comey, two specific charges. And as of now, the attorney general has declined. I suspect, as John Solomon and I were discussing earlier, there's bigger issues in play. We'll get to all that and your calls coming up next on The Sean Hannity Show. 
right, 25 now until the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, how does CNN fake news not bring up the issue of impeachment two nights in a row with all these Democrats that have been screaming impeach, 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 and some of them still bringing it up? They don't bring it up because they know the answer is going to be the wrong answer. There's no right answer on this because if they want to appeal to the radical left wing base, they know that it, they have to say, yeah, hi, well, crimes, misdemeanor. What are they? They can't answer. If they say don't do it, what do you mean don't do it? All of this while the media ignores the biggest story that has broken in the last 24 hours. And that is that, you know, Mr. Uh, Super Patriot himself Jim Comey has, in fact, been recommended and it has been for prosecution. In other words, the inspector general has referred Comey for possible prosecution, violation of the Espionage Act, point number one. And the Espionage Act, and, and we never knew until this week that the month after Comey was fired that Comey had FBI agents go to his house, retrieve the illegal memos, in other words, the the government property that he took with him. And those was, were the things that he had sent to the professor that leaked to the New York Times that led to what his hope was, the appointment of a special counsel. Now, the only thing that's frustrating in all of this is at this point, at this time, the attorney general has declined prosecution on that issue. And by the way, he was apparently... Uh, less than frank or lacking candor. Well, that's another way of saying he lied. Now, how do you explain to Christian Saucier, who had six pictures of a submarine and spent a year in jail, the Espionage Act, that he gets prosecuted, Hillary doesn't, and Comey doesn't? How do you explain to all of the people charged with lying, including General Flynn, including Manafort, Cohen, and, and everybody else that's been charged with lying, and the big deal the media made over that, and if he showed a lack of candor, in other words, if James Comey lied, when is he going to get indicted? Now, the only thing that I have figured out here more than anything else is that there's so many bigger fish. It appears, based on the sourcing that I have, and we'll have a lot more on Hannity tonight, John Solomon. We'll also get Rush Limbaugh's take on it tonight. The only thing I see here is that this is way further along than any of us know. And what I suspect is that this a lot of this now is going to move right into what we have described as premeditated FISA abuse and fraud, a fraud committed on the court and a fraud so serious that you denied Americans their civil liberties, their constitutional rights. He even bragged about it. Remember, remember McCabe said, oh, you don't need a lawyer. Ha, I took advantage of the chaos of the Trump years and I sent my guys in. I'd never do that with Obama or Bush. And people are now taking it seriously. If you commit a fraud against the court premeditated and you verify, you say this is verified. This is we have confirmed this to be true. Now, the FBI, and this is another interesting point on their own, had figured out long before the third and fourth FISA warrants, the last two renewals applications went in that 90% of the dossier, the bulk of information used to obtain the FISA warrants, they had already determined it was all BS. So now the question is, how did that happen? I'm just telling you, some people are saying, this, this can't happen, Hannity, this can't happen. I'm like, calm down. They are not going in head first. The way this is what I'm hearing, 
I'm only passing on what I know. I don't know everything, but we've been pretty right up to this point is that they're not going to go headlong into what is the lowest hanging fruit as it relates to Comey. In other words, that it goes much further. And from what I'm picking up is all of the issues surrounding the spying on the Trump campaign. It goes a lot deeper than the, the FISA fraud. Everything we're discussing here shreds the Constitution, shreds civil liberties, shreds, shreds due process. And then again, then we have another aspect of this, and that's Hillary Clinton's role in all of this. Then we have the aspect of, okay, well, they decided to run interference and prevent Hillary from ever getting indicted when it's very obvious that she violated numerous laws, as we have been telling you. And she, for example, we've laid out 18 USC 793. And what do we know about 18 USC 793? We know that that is the Espionage Act. And we know even from Comey's own voice that, in fact, um, Hillary Clinton had marked classified top secret information on her hard drive that she ended up deleting after being subpoenaed and then cleaning the hard drive up. But, you know, these laws can't be any more clear. I mean, 18 U.S.C. 793, well, that's the Espionage Act. Well, that's exactly what Comey himself violated, because when they fired him and then went to his house and recovered the the very documents that should never have left his office, well, that means he was guilty of it. But I think there's just much more in play here than anybody knows. But what we do know and what we can say and what we can report is that Michael Horowitz apparently is doing his job. And he did refer Comey for possible prosecution on two fronts, one being violating the Espionage Act, and that would be under the classified information protection laws. The DOJ prosecutors working for the attorney general Barr can go after him for that. By the way, also, he leaked this to his friend, the professor at Columbia, for the purpose of getting the special counsel appointed, of which he was successful at. And by the way, he admitted in congressional testimony that, in fact, they contained classified information. But he says, well, it was at the lowest level of confidential. That doesn't mean that the lowest level. That doesn't mean anything. He still did it and he still had it in his possession. And then he was grilled and interrogated by his own FBI agents after he was fired. Then you have, you know, 18 U.S.C. 1924, which is you're not allowed to remove classified documents. 18 U.S.C. 641, the theft of government documents. 18 U.S.C. 1000, false or misleading statements. Okay, well, lacking candor means you lied. Well, a lot of people just got in a whole lot of trouble and a lot of jail time for lying. Michael Cohn lying to Congress. So apparently we prosecute some people, but not other people. All right. Why have you been in this? My cousin Vinny mode all day, Linda, because <laughs> what? I mean, after three hours of Democratic debate, something's got to wake you up. You know, you got to YouTube something. To no, to listen, get I was it. engaged. I was interested what? in all of it. Oh, You're yeah. You're joking. It was a it was a train wreck of monumental proportions. You don't want to see it in the sense that if it was a real train wreck. But if it's something is going so badly you wonder just how bad politically it can get for people, and it got worse. I always knew you were a nerd, but you might be a bigger nerd than I thought. Cause I, I gotta... used to watch C-SPAN. I used to watch Bob Dornan doing special orders on the floor of the House of Representatives. It doesn't get any more nerdy than that. That is pretty nerdy, actually. Yeah, I, but I, I, have bec- I, I yes. become a fashion trendsetter thanks to, to Kovas. Oh, yes. Well, of course. A nerdy trendsetter. That's what everyone that, looks for. Absolutely. All right, really? Okay. Uh, you know what, Miss Vito? 
Listen, so last night I was watching YouTube and I was I was laughing because I was thinking about, you know, John Solomon had told me about this big news that, you know, we broke today and how, you know, James Comey is, you know, going to be in big trouble. The IG's calling for him to be, you know, brought up on charges for, for all that he did. And I was thinking about, you know, no, the defense is wrong in the whole scene. No, no, no. You got to set it up right because this is Joe Pecci in one of his best roles. The, well, every role he had, he's just great. He's a great actor. I don't know anything about him, but he's a great actor. Miss Vito, it's been argued by me, the defense, that the two sets of guys met up at the sack of suds at the same time driving identical metallic mint green 1964 Buick Skylar convertibles. Now, can you tell us what you see in this picture? If the defense's case holds water. And what happens during that time? Because they're fighting. It's actually a lot like... Well, and then and then, then he goes, Miss Vito, because she hates him at that moment, even though she's apparently his fiance. Please answer the question, does the defense's case hold water? No. What does she say? The defense is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. Checkmate. Like, it's like the best... That was like Robert Mueller's testimony. Movie. That's why I said to you last week, I said, you got to play it back to now, back. Now, just so the audience knows how much we butchered it, we're going to play it for real. All right, go ahead. To the question, does the defense's case hold water? No, the defense is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. So literally, like, this is what I'm watching as the Democratic debates are going on, because I cannot I couldn't take another second of Biden giving out the wrong website of Kamala Harris playing the, the victim. I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, this is crazy. Cory Booker's righteous say it again, indignation. Go, say the defense is no, the defense is wrong. No, the defense is wrong. Are you sure? I mean, the way, I, I mean, it's the funniest thing. Now, the only reason this is so funny to me is because I live this life. Oh, yeah, no. And I show up in Huntsville, Alabama. How you doing? Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Well, talk Radio 770 AM. Uh, Every once in a while, I still catch you. Every once in a while. No, come, you'll no, have a I tell word. You, you know when it comes out, when I have had no sleep. Yeah, that's when you need that's your black when, rifle just Everything gets lazy at no sleep time. And I don't. I, I can even hear it the second it happens now. It's actually very funny. I think it's There hysterical. was a time. Sorry. What? It's actually very funny. I think it's hysterical. I, I mean, I, I know. Do you even hear it in yourself yet? You don't even hear it yet. I mean, to me, you know, it's funny when I was just at Fort Leavenworth and I went and I was I was talking to, oh to Clint Lawrence and Clint's like, you know, he's he's I'll tell you one funny thing that we talked about and you'll get a kick out of it. So I said, to him, oh, what's your favorite kind of car? And he goes, F-150 for laugh. And I said, that that's great. What kind of car is that? And he looks at me. Oh, and my goes, gosh. That's a truck. And he looks at me and he goes, OK, are you being serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm not into class. He goes, first of all, it's a truck. It's a truck. And he's like, he's like, that is like the most classic truck ever. It was like the funniest thing. And he goes, oh, my God, you really are a New Yorker. It was hysterical. The whole thing was hysterical. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, uh, Linda. Speaking of Linda in New York, Linda, are you sure? Welcome to the program. 
Yes, I think I'm one of both of you. Uh, it comes out, the, uh, the, the language comes <laughs> really out. Does. The dialect. I just wanted to say I'm absolutely, it's beyond comprehension that it takes uh, President Trump to bring out what is crystal clear that I have been saying over the last five years, because I did have an opportunity to live in Baltimore. I called it the land of the walking dead zombies. I feel so sorry for these people, but I do not know how anything is going to ever be reversed in that city unless you really have a change in their government. It is. There is a way to do it. Listen, I can tell you what I can tell you what I think you have to do. If you're are you interested or, you know, I I have an idea because New York City could use and parts of Harlem, which I'm in now. I moved to Harlem for academic reasons. Let me tell you something. There's parts of Harlem that. I'm are extremely disgusting. Feces all over. Horrible, horrible. But Harlem town. has also undergone a transformation in as much as there has been, as housing needs have grown in New York, people have moved further and further uptown. Uh, and what's happened is, is they keep transforming these these brownstones, older houses. A yeah. lot of gutting has occurred. Now, it's not the... but. You know, there are parts that still need work. But the way I would do it is I'd get a public-private partnership. And I'd call somebody like uh, Home Depot's Bernie Marcus, and I'd say, Bernie, it's the president. Um, I need a favor. What is it, sir? Uh, I need you to give me the best prices you can give me so I can build all these homes in Baltimore. And that means I want everything. I want every nail. I want lumber. I want appliances. I want the works for every house. But I want you to give it to me for cost. Now, Bernie Marcus is going to say, you know, I'm in business, Mr. President. I know. And then he's going to say, well, you're I'm the president. and I'm asking you to do me a favor. What do you think Bernie Marcus would probably do in those circumstances? He would comply. He would say, he look, I know. Ber- I just happen to know Bernie Marcus in a Bernie Marcus has already made a lot of money. Bernie Marcus would do that for the president and the country in a heartbeat. Now, he's going to kill me for suggesting it. And then what you do is, you're Donald Trump, you know a lot of great builders. You find five, six, seven of the best builders that he knows. You bring them down to Baltimore. And then you build out crews and create jobs, 10 bucks an hour. And those guys supervise the building and rebuilding of those neighborhoods. But before you do any of that, you first got to get rid of the rats and vermin and the mice and the critters and the creatures. That's the first thing I do because I'm not working in any house that has rats, period. Nobody should have to live with rats. All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. All right, we have a lot of breaking news. Of course, Jim Comey referred to for possible prosecution. We'll break it down. We have our team of experts, John Solomon, Tom Fitton, also Bongino, Geraldo, and then Rush Limbaugh exclusively tonight. Hannity, Fox News, 9 Eastern. Thank you, as always, for being with us. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll see you tonight at 9. News you won't get from the media mob. 